up, everybody. You're now at your favorite stop for all things sports, politics, and culture. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey, a production of ThatCast Network. Hey now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here once again in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon at the Living the Dream Studios. And I got D-Boy alongside me again today. What's going on, D-Boy? What's good, man? You know me, always glad to be here in the Living the Dream Studio in the Pearl District. <laughs> gotta love it, gotta love it. Um, before we get into some content today, we actually have a huge announcement surrounding this here very podcast. I was thinking earlier this week, and I'm like, you know, this is about the time a couple years back when we actually recorded our first podcast. So, obviously go to the podcast, check them out, scroll all the way back to the very first episode that we did. And what do you know, March 30th, 2017, we recorded our very first episode of this podcast. It's our anniversary. <laughs> ah. So we're here now and we're celebrating two years of this podcast being in existence. And I couldn't be more proud of where we are today. Um, I definitely think we got a lot of growth to come along in the near future and the far future. But as of right now, knowing all that this podcast has gone through, knowing the ups and downs, the turmoil, just the everything that this podcast has gone through and to be where we are today. It's still going strong. I'm pretty satisfied. Still going strong. And like I said, as I went back and I looked at that very first episode and I saw that our guest on that episode was Malika Andrews. For those of you who don't know Malika Andrews, she actually is now an uh, ESPN analyst for the NBA. Um, she covers NBA ball for ESPN, so many of you may her may have seen her on SportsCenter a time or two because she's doing very well right now. But it was kind of interesting because back at that time, a couple years back, she was actually a senior here at the University of Portland. She was getting ready to go on to be a James Reston Fellow, and I recall shortly before we actually recorded that episode and I had her as the guest here on this podcast, her and I actually did a demo together. Mm. And we did a demo, and it was really interesting because I was fresh out of college. She was finishing up her senior year of college. She was already a phenomenal writer, which obviously got her to where she was um, to become a James Reston fellow. And we're still seeing the proof in the pudding right now as she's writing for ESPN for the NBA. Like, she's got a dream job only two years out of college. That's absolutely amazing. But at the time, it was pretty funny because I'm creating this demo to submit to some radio um, execs, you know, some corp corporate folks. And as I'm creating this, I had never done a talk show before. I had did some campus radio while I was in college, but if any of you know me while I was in college, DJing was one of my side hustles. Why? Because in college, you're usually broke. I was one of those guys. And so I'm DJing at a local bar and near the campus. And as I'm DJing there, I'm there about three times a week. I'm like, you know what? I want to kind of get into this radio thing. I got an interest in trying to see what our campus radio program was all about at Pacific University. So when I go to do my campus radio show at Pacific University, I did a hip hop show, which meant my show mostly consisted of music. I didn't do much talking. So 
As I come into this situation, I do my internship. Now it's time for me to create a demo. And Malika comes in and it's time for her to do a demo. I'm thinking I'm bringing in somebody who I already knew was a phenomenal writer, but might be big in broadcasting as well, just because I already knew she was on a great career path. Come to find out, she had never done any broadcasting either. <laughs> <laughs> so both of us are in the studio. I'm running things. I'm, I'm, I'm running, obviously, uh, all the programs, the equipment. I'm making sure everything is going and, and going right. And I'm sweating, nervous, trying to make sure I got everything right. And on top of that, knowing that I'm getting ready to have to kind of drive and host this talk show and that I'm submitting this demo to these big-time radio execs. And so I'm talking to her. She's never really gotten behind the microphone much before. All she did was really write. So we're kind of both here like, Ha, let's just push through and make this thing work. Like I said, eventually had her on as a guest. Now I've been able to do some great things in the broadcasting industry, as many of you all know. And her, I'm watching her on SportsCenter now, which I think is really, really dope. So mm -hmm. to see mm -hmm. kind of both of those stories from the very first episode that we did, and now she's doing well. I'm doing well. Growth amongst this, everybody. For absolutely. Real. This podcast is still here in existence. It definitely makes me proud. So I just had to acknowledge the fact that we are celebrating two years here on this podcast because, you know, we've been through a lot. And shout out to Malika Andrews because I'm sure that was a lot of, uh, you know, it motivated you early on to have, you know, oh, yeah. guests and jumpstart you and, you know, start off on the right foot. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like said, yeah. To see both of the progress is, is phenomenal. Yeah, she was definitely inspirational in that moment and still is inspirational to this day. But it was pretty interesting because, as I mentioned, I'm working at the radio station at the time, so I have access to all this state-of-the-art equipment. Uh, this podcast now launches. I'm able to consistently push out weekly shows. Things are just going great. I'm enjoying it. Then I end up getting a radio show. So now I'm doing a radio show once a week after the radio show. I'll go to one of the other studios uh, within the company and I'll record a podcast. It was just right at my fingertips. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Then boom, what do you know? Mm -hmm. I'm laid off. <laughs> so Damn, just like that. Just like that. Talk I'm laid off. Corporate world, huh? So so, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it happens. It's a thing. So, you know, as I get laid off. Like I said, I'm using everything at the radio station. I got all this great equipment at my fingertips. Um, and it really kind of halted this podcast for a really long time because I no longer have access to this, to this equipment. And you know when they say the statement, the bigger you are, the harder you fall? Right, right. I'll be honest with you, and I'll humbly say that at the time, being 24 years old and being able to host a sports radio show full-time in a top 25 market was definitely a big deal. Something that I'm still proud of to this day, was proud of at the time that I was doing it, and it definitely gave me a platform bigger than I had ever had before. Mm -hmm. And then, when you get laid off, it's the opposite effect because... You were just on this high pedestal, and then boom, you get knocked right down. And being a public figure, and as great as it was to be a pub public figure, not saying that I'm still not that, but at that magnitude where I was at that particular time and what I was doing at that particular time was definitely not only something to be proud of, but it was something that I had to live with. 
but I also had to live with the fall and having that public perception of myself losing the show and what people may have thought, although we got plenty of support from, uh, I mean, a numerous amounts of people. I can't even tell you how many people came out and supported. The reality still was my life had changed drastically and that I took this fall in front of all of these people. So I really got to kind of sit back and think on things and just figure out and navigate where it was that I wanted to go. But I never got rid of this podcast, even during that time period when things got really patchy, really inconsistent. I had a life change because that was my job. That was my income. It was all of that. I didn't have the equipment to be able to record, to know that I was able to kind of bounce back and never quit and continue going and pushing forward with this podcast which is now picked up by a network. Shout out to that cast network. But we've reached another height and another level with this podcast. It's definitely something to be proud of. There were definitely a lot of lessons learned beyond what I can even sit here and say behind this microphone um, since the existence of this podcast back in March of 2017. So really grateful for that. <sighs> but now we got to dig into some content and... Usually this is a happier podcast, and that's not to say that we won't have some happy moments here on this very podcast today, but unfortunately, we do got to dig into some of the deeper and darker stuff that has taken place recently in this world, in this country, and that has had a major effect on so many people at once, and that is the unfortunate and untimely murder of the rapper Nipsey Hussle. So Nipsey Hussle was shot and killed in Los Angeles, California, um, in front of an establishment that he owned, his own clothing store. And it's really just been a sad occasion all the way around because it's affected so many people in so many different ways. Obviously, first and foremost, you think of his family, you think of his loved ones, his close friends, his immediate circle. Um, you definitely send your prayers their way and you think of them first. But his influence and his effect reached so much farther beyond that, that you've really gotten to see this enormous wave of emotions, of confusion, of just a plethora of different feelings. Disappointment. Disappointment. Just a plethora, like I said, a plethora of different feelings that has affected society through this incident. Now... I've thought so many things about this entire incident that I really don't even know where to start. Um, I got so much to say, don't know how to say it, just because that's how confusing this entire incident has been. I, I, I just, I don't know. Like, I look and see kind of what folks around me are saying, how people around me are feeling, and I think all of the different ways that I really connect to some of the things that Nipsey Hussle was doing beyond just his music, but as a person for his community, for many communities, the blueprint that he was laying out for folks. And I really just feel such a connection to him in so many different ways that it's really kind of tripped me out a bit. Yeah, but D-Boy, so you're, you're in the music industry, so yeah. I want you to kind of kick it off on how you feel as a rapper, as an artist. Like I said, I connect with him on other levels than that. But starting there, what's kind of your feelings on this entire incident and what's taking place? I definitely agree with you on the uh, fact that it's a lot of elements behind this that 
makes it to where you can pretty much go on all day about how you feel about it and different angles and opinions and emotions and all of that kind of stuff. But overall, first off, as an artist, since that's what you asked me, it was very unfortunate. It was sad. Me personally, I never in a million years, it wouldn't have crossed my mind first off to hear Nipsey Hussle to, you know, be murdered for one. That, right. that was the initial feeling was shocked. Right. And then it's like, you know how powerful and how influential and positive. So I initially heard that he was shot. And then I heard later that he was killed. And right. so your first mindset is pull through, Nip, make it. And once you got the, you know, unfortunate news after that, it was just an emotion of just disappointment. And that's why I highlighted that when you were speaking, because... YG said it best, and I, it took him a while to even speak out. I noticed that. I'm sure you probably went and checked it out a couple of times. We all know that Nipsey Hussle and YG made a lot of history. They came up in L.A. together with the uh, the Donald Trump song. That yeah. was pretty big. And even way before that, too, we could name a lot of hits from them, too, on collaborations. But one thing that he said that really resonated with a feeling of mine is that I don't care what anybody says. It wasn't your time, bruh. And I really felt that. And, and and I felt it from a standpoint of we've all lost family members, obviously different emotions and different reactions for different family members, depending upon the relationship and all of that. But I can live with a loved one passing on, feeling like they lived their full life, fulfilled their mission, had, you know, longevity and all of that. I felt like as an artist watching what Nipsey Hussle was doing and where he was finally at. I mean, we're talking about a month or two after just getting his first Grammy nomination. Absolutely. Am I right? Absolutely. We're talking about after his debut album, us knowing Nipsey Hussle, been putting out great music for him to finally reach such achievements and and not only for self, but for other people. Yeah. And we can go deeper into that, you know, later in the discussion. But that, that was the feeling of mine. It was disappointment and it was a reminder that nobody's invincible and i think oftentimes we feel like if we're not doing the wrong thing or if we're not around around the wrong people that you know the a bullet won't have our name on it and you really never know so obviously cherish your family cherish the moments and you know i'm obviously reminded of that but i was just disappointed man it's sad absolutely. i really cried bro. absolutely and and i agree like i said i mentioned earlier that this was an untimely death this was definitely not something that anybody expected, and I wouldn't even say that he necessarily expected it, but it's really interesting because you start to think of the work that he was doing in this community. Uh, like I said, the establishment that he was shot and killed in front of, he owned, he employed people from his neighborhood to help them get jobs. He was trying to create wealth within his own community. He was trying to create economic opportunities within his own community, and I definitely commend him for that. But you mentioned YG, and around a month and a half ago, I actually went to a YG concert. And I go to the YG concert. A lot of YG's music is super fun, ratchet, turn-up type music. But YG actually performed that song, Fuck Donald Trump, that you mentioned that featured Nipsey Hussle on it. 
And after he performed that song, YG got real serious up on stage and he pretty much talked about, you know, what that song meant to him, what it meant to really all of us that were gathered in that theater at the time for that particular show. And he went on to talk about how he was for the people, which I think the same goes for Nip. And he made a statement about if something ever happened to him, if them people ever did anything to him, who those people are, I can't necessarily put a finger on that. But verbatim, he pretty much said that if those people take me out, I just want y'all to ride for me the way that I'm riding for y'all. And I thought it was really interesting when he said that because you could take that in many different kind of ways, especially when you listen to some of the messaging in his music. But at that time, I didn't sense any um, darkness there. I thought it really came kind of from a place of love. It came from a place of what I'm out here doing is putting myself on the front line through my music, through my action. Passionate, huh? Through, it was I, it passionate. Was passionate. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, go ride for me and go kill them people. It was like, make sure that you guys... Push this line. Push this line. Keep my name alive. And I'm not insinuating anything to the Nipsey Hustle death when I talk about this because some may say that them people may be the government because there are so many conspiracy theories out and about right now surrounding these this Nipsey death. Which and I, I hate, wouldn't even get into I that hate. right now because... The man just passed away. I mean, he's not even cold yet. So I wouldn't even really want to get into that conversation or debate. But I do feel that Nipsey Hussle had a similar mentality as YG in that rhetoric with the action that Nipsey took in taking care of his community and helping people out and knowing that someday... I don't think any day would be the right day. I don't think any time would be the right time. But by me putting myself out here on the front line like this, these unfortunate things can happen. And in this case, it did. Or the did. chances might the increase. The chances might increase a bit. More than the normal person. Man. And in this case, it did. And it was really tough to really be able to see that because it shouldn't have. I don't think he wanted it to. And no, I don't think when he woke up that morning that he expected that to be his last day here on this earth. But knowing that you put yourself kind of on that front line and it really shows you people from whatever direction they're coming at from are going to come after a guy like that. There's somebody out there that's willing to try to take a guy out like that. It's really unfortunate because of what it is that he does for us. But it also kind of shows that other side of the world where folks just really got to be careful, try and stay safe, because it's just really an unfortunate other end of this thing when you, like you said, are trying to do the right thing or think you're doing the right thing or just flat out are doing the right thing. And, and for me to elaborate even a little bit more on that, I'll be the first to tell you, I wasn't the biggest Nipsey Hussle music fan. Right. I didn't bump Nipsey Hussle on a regular basis, but I did pay attention to his business module and what he stood for, and I was yeah. aware of that. And so, after, upon hearing about his passing and listening to more of his music, I was able to hear a lot of the references yeah. that you knew that it could come from multiple ways as right. far as death is concerned, whether it's somebody in the streets, in the hood, whether it was 
gut like I'm not talking about any conspiracy theories. I'm not saying the man knew that somebody wanted to kill him. I'm not getting into any of that. Right. What I'm saying is, like YG, I believe that both of these men are aware, a lot like some other people too. It, you know, they just might have not had this kind of bad luck come up on them, but they're aware that it could come from so many ways that I need to be aware of this and plan and know just in case that right. this is a situation. I'm not untouchable. Yeah. Period. And I think that hearing his music recently and hearing so many references about that uh, friends that he had that passed or speaking on if it was him. And I'm not even talking about his most recent single, but it's a, a library yeah. of music. He he have songs that even kind of reference uh, you know, his funeral and all kind of stuff. So it's deep, man. Yeah, it's, it's real deep. deep. It's real deep because they really put themselves on the front line. And as somebody, I often talk here on this podcast about what I do in the sports industry and, and broadcasting and things of that sort. But I also do things much deeper than that. The same way Nipsey Hussle was much deeper than a rapper. Um, I'm somebody who advocates for change. Um, I, I live it. I work in that field. Um, I work for an organization called Street Roots right here in Portland, Oregon, where we are fighting those similar systemic issues. We're fighting a, a similar broken system that does exist here in society. And when you look at somebody like a Nipsey Hussle, who comes from that same sort of an entertainment background, and I think we've seen the correlation in that on multiple levels just within sports. Obviously, you had Russell Westbrook, who was a friend of Nipsey Hussle, who had the first 20-20-20 triple-double since Will Chamberlain. Um, and he came out and commented after in the post-game show saying and dedicating that 20-20-20 triple-double to Nipsey Hussle and the neighborhood that Nipsey Hussle grew up in, which is the rolling 60s. 20 times 3 is 60. 60. So there was that. Um, I also saw my good friend who used to work here formerly in Portland, Oregon at the Oregonian, and he now works for the Los Angeles Times, Andrew Greif. And Greif posted a video being in the Staples Center covering the Clippers the night of Nipsey Hussle's passing. And the Los Angeles Clippers did a tribute to him on the Jumbotron. And as they do the tribute... Obviously, you got a lot of fans into it. A lot of the crowd is into it. Greif posted. It pretty much goes viral. So you're seeing that connection from sports to Nipsey Hussle being a rap artist in a plethora of ways. And I can name so many more, but I won't sit here and begin to do that. You catch my drift there. But when I kind of personalize that and bring it to myself, somebody who's also, like I said, an advocate for change, it really kind of makes you look at yourself in the mirror and it makes you think in those similar ways that Nipsey Hussle thought. Not to say that I feel like I'm going to die or anything. I don't want anybody to think in that yeah, tone or in that manner. Right, right, don't right. misconstrue it. But when you see something so unfortunate happen to a brother like that, it really makes you kind of sit back and reflect and think about all the things that you're doing and how calculated you really must move in this world because there is that evil out there Agreed. somewhere along Agreed. the line that is trying to get you. And I got an interesting question that I want to ask you real quick. For sure. So I uh, co-host another podcast called A Better Place Podcast, and we highlight a lot of people that in the industry, per se, that do, you know, that go above and beyond to give back to communities and all kind of things of that nature. Right. 
it is arguably and maybe even factually with this Nipsey Hussle situation, the most posted about celebrity in this whole social media era ever. When you, you know, started off talking about how many people are affected and all these emotions and so much that you can talk about, the list goes on. What do you think separated him or made this so much more of a shocker when we live in a world where it is a lot of people on the front line that do try to accomplish these things, they do start businesses, they do give back to their community, they do have charities. What do you think separated this so much more, especially with the fact that even though it might not have been active, we know that he did come from the Crip gang background and obviously still represented it. But I felt like with his status, he was probably in the safe zone and untouchable as far as right. the like we know, even YG and him being close. And we know that the blood Crip brothers from another color, as he said. Right, so right. What do you think separated this where he just it, it blew up for real? Um, I think with Nipsey Hussle, it just showed um, that it was really him and that it was his real intent. By that, I mean, in society, we have a lot of people that feel that it's their responsibility to do certain things because of their position or they're being pressured to do certain things because of their particular position and the role that they play in this here life. But I think for Nipsey Hussle, it was a reality to it. He did what he wanted to do because of the man that he was. And I think when you kind of you can feel that genuineness, especially in a world mm -hmm. that's filled with so much fake in a world that's mm -hmm. filled with so many people, like you said, on social media, trying to portray themselves as a particular thing that they may not be. It actually makes it easier. Unfortunately, it happens in times like these, but it makes it easier to be able to kind of sniff out the real amongst all of that fake and amongst all of that, um, like I said, pressure, amongst all of that, maybe what I, my responsibility is because of what I do but not who I am. Yeah. I think for Nipsey Hussle, it was who he was. Yeah, It kind of felt like almost like that gentle giant kind of vibe where it's like, although, like I said, he came from the streets and represented what he did and I'm sure had a hard life, faced adversity, he seemed so in touch, so he didn't seem as exclusive. And I seen Damian Lillard actually post that, like, uh, y'all exclusive. I rub shoulders with the people. And right. from all the people that I see have pictures with him, and like you said, even the officer, the police officers mourning his death and knowing right. what he stood behind, I think that kind of spoke volumes for, and, and that goes back for to, how he was felt and perceived. And that goes back to what I was saying about the unfortunate risk of being for the people because that doesn't necessarily mean all the people are going to be for you back to what yg was saying at that concert right here in portland oregon a couple months ago you mentioned what damian lillard said i mentioned what i said just personalizing it from what i do day in and day out like it's for the people and you can be for the people but that doesn't mean that all the people are for you, even if majority are for you. And all it takes and is that one is bad one. apple. Oh, and so that's, that's the hardest that's part. That's the hardest part. All it takes is that one bad apple. And in this case, we saw that one bad apple come out and really destroy an entire society. I don't even want to say a community because I think on so many different levels, there were multiple communities that were affected by this. Culturally wise, uh, I talked to our cousin Simba extensively about it all through the week. We was kind of, 
each other's play-by-play -play with new emerging news, it really hit us both hard. He had a song that was never released that featured yeah. one of his big first features. And so we were talking, and I was just asking him how he felt about it. And he said his biggest emotion was he felt, like, hopeless. And, and I want to know what you think about that or how you might perceive it. But I asked him to elaborate a little bit, and he said... You feel hopeless to be able to to do what you genuinely want to do in the in the situation that you feel in common with Nipsey Hussle that you want to give. I know for me, I definitely want to give back to Vallejo. That's a city that really right. molded and raised me. We've represented Vallejo proudly since the beginning. Right. So I know I had that vision, but I also know what goes on in my community as well and yeah. how I feel just with normal stuff when I'm in out there compared to living in Portland. So I want to know, do you agree with the with the hopelessness emotion or how do you feel about that? I personally don't feel that particular emotion, but mm -hmm. I do think that the trauma of this situation and the trauma that the culture has faced over time can make one feel hopeless. I'm not that as particular person. As far as giving person. back to, as far as basically staying in the hood, like, you know, yeah. like Dre said, get in the game, get rich and get out type yeah. of thing. And it's like, you want to stay loyal to your roots and connected. And, and do you feel like it comes with too much risk with situations like this arising? I think it comes with risk, but I also just really think that it's case by case. I think it's more dependent on who you are and how it is that you want to live. And in Nipsey's in Nipsey Hussle's case, I kind of see it as a situation where he died doing the right thing rather than lived doing the wrong thing. Um, and I think when you really kind of take 30,000 uh, 30, steps back from the entire situation and you think about that, it's not a situation where, like I said, he deserved to die by any means. None of us wanted to see this happen. I don't think he wanted to see this happen. But in a case where it does actually happen and you can get that sense of hopelessness, you just got to try to take the positive out of these types of situations because we're here now. Right. So, right, right. so I can sit here and harp on hopelessness and I can sit here and harp on the trauma that we are dealing with and that we are facing. But me personally, I refuse to kind of feed into that, but I understand where that feeling could come from. I would rather try to seek the positive, try to carry on his blueprint, what it was that he did instead of kind of living the wrong way and still being very, very uncomfortable because you're not living the way that you want to or prefer to live as well. So it, it I, like I said, you definitely got to be skeptical about how you move, but you know, I, I do think Nipsey Hussle went out like a true champion and that's something that can never be taken away from him. And we're seeing that with the respects being paid to him facts. right now in this particular facts, moment. Facts. Unfortunate, but the dude is respected. His legacy, I do believe, will live on. What he has left here is being nothing but respected at this very time. And I commend him for that. And I do want to, again, revisit and send my utmost respect, prayers, and love to his immediate family. Um... We live in a day and age right now where things are so graphic, too graphic in my yeah, opinion. The access sure. to the things that we can see nowadays are are really could be life changing and 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 life altering when it comes to 
one's mental health and how they can handle such content. Right. And so just with everything that we know, everything that's available to be seen, uh, it, I don't think it makes the situation of grievance any easier. Not so at all. I just want to send my, my love and respect and prayers to the family because this is going to be a, a tough one to get through. Not to say or devalue anybody else's loss or passing, but this is going to be tough for a long time. Absolutely. I agree. So, like I said, we, we had to definitely cover that. Rest in peace to Nipsey Hussle. Um, like I said, you went out like a true champion, man. We hate that you had to go out that way and that you and had so to go soon. out at all, that you had to go out so soon. But unfortunately, we're here now, and all we can do is really pay respects, like you said, to him first and foremost, to his family, and really just to each other so that we can try to minimize unfortunate happenings like this to happen again. And although we as people say it wasn't his time, he did do more in 33 years than a lot of people could Done do in a lifetime, in a, lifetime a long a lifetime. Long, exactly. Absolutely, so absolutely, it, absolutely. It has to be hopefully some comfort in knowing that. Absolutely. So uh, next up, we're going to try to lighten things up a little bit, and uh, we're going to discuss some history that was made right here in our backyard in the state of Oregon. So keep it locked. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit ThatCast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. So history was made, baby. And it was made right here in the state of Oregon. Uh, Many of you have been following the NCAA tournaments, men's and women's. You probably thought I would start off here talking about the men's uh, tournament, but I am absolutely not. I am going straight into the women's side of things. And the University of Oregon has reached the women's NCAA Final Four for the first time ever in history. Huge shout out to them for that. They balling. They're balling. They're balling. They're balling hard. They're balling real hard. So huge shout out to them for that. Got to congratulate them being that we're here in this state, being that this is a local podcast. I could not come on here today and not discuss this. But what I do want to talk about is a young lady on that team that goes by the name of Sabrina Ionescu. Some of you may have not seen this young lady play, but I would deem her to be the best female in college basketball right now. Um, She's accomplished a whole lot. She's got the most triple doubles all time in a career in the NCAA. And oh, by the way, she's just a junior. So she does have the option to be able to come back next year for her senior year at the University of Oregon, which I would imagine she's not even thinking about that right now because she has a big Final Four game to play here this weekend. But I'm thinking about it right now, so we're going to talk about it. Like I said, this young lady's the best player in the country, let me tell it. If not, she's one of the best. Um, I think she can compete really at any level when it comes to women's basketball. Ultimately, I'm saying I think that if she decided to leave after her junior year, which is this year, and go play in the WNBA, that she would thrive. I think she's that good. But on the women's side of things, we're not necessarily used to seeing women leave college early to go play in the NBA, a lot of it has to do with economics. In the case of Sabrina, like I said, she's been kind of toying with it. She definitely hasn't said that she's coming back next year, and she's also kind of hinted at possibly leaving after this year. 
She just made history here at the University of Oregon, taking her team to the Final Four. She still can make more history this weekend if her team goes out and wins. And she's made plenty more history already with, like I mentioned, the triple-doubles, amongst many other statistics that she's made at her school and just beyond nationally when it comes to NCAA women's college basketball. So, D-Boy, my question kind of to you is, knowing that most women do come back and finish their final and senior year at their respective universities before they head on to the WNBA. Sabrina, being as good as being as good of a player as she is, accomplishing the many of things that she's accomplished, making school history that she's living in right now in the moment, heading into this weekend to play in the Final Four. Do you think, regardless of what takes place this weekend, that she should come back? and finish her senior year next Without year. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I didn't even need you to finish a sentence for me to answer that. And I'm going to tell you why. I know you got some ties to John Canzano, right? We talked about oh, it yeah. on the podcast. Oh, yeah. I, I used to intern for him. All right, exactly. And, yeah, he, he's I, still he's I helped me out I think he writes lot. some very interesting pieces. I've been able, fortunate enough to see a few different pieces in depth that he's written and it's good. It's, one, of, one of the best writers in the country. He can compete with the best of them. He's winning AP awards year in and year out. Right. So upon this conversation and me thinking and doing some research and digging, I came across a piece written by Kenzano okay. in relation to this. Right. And what I noticed even deeper than, and I always say the name wrong, Ionescu? Ionescu. Ionescu. So in relation to her, it's, it's bigger than her. I found out how little WNBA players get paid, and I think all the way across the board, that was enough for me, for one, to say that she needs to stay back and play another year in college, and for two, like I said, to say they got to pay these women some more money, man. It yeah. is a super drop-off margin, and to get a little bit more in detail, I'm talking about her rookie salary projected to be somewhere in the 50000s. I mean, come on, man. It, yeah. It's, it's some very entry-level jobs that could pay you close to that in a year. Yeah. Sure. So that's one. My second thing is, and this could just be off of my opinion, but I think the, the, the risk of injury is slightly less compared to that of men. I just maybe don't hear about it or see it as much, but... That's generally what we talk about when it's related to men. We know the Zion Williams, Williamson and all that with the risk of injury and even the insurance policy being taken out, of, which was innovative. That was the first time we've seen or heard of that, correct? Yeah. So I, I think, have at least. Right. So I think with the, with the injury chances being less and with the amount of money that I've seen, I heard like even on the... Like veteran players around seventy nine to a hundred thousand a year, which is still, you could compete with that on some certain jobs. So I say definitely get your degree, finish out school. I don't think it's enough risk for you to rush it. I think you can really back to back this Final Four thing and possibly win a championship. So I say stay. I want to know what you think. I say go. Mm. And reason That's being, why I love this podcast. And reason that why I say go, I, I, first off, I want to say I'm not trying to make it her responsibility to have to go. I want her to do what she feels is best for her. Obviously. But since you're asking me how I feel, right. I say go. Why? And here's my reason. One, you've already contemplated that it's possible that you may be going. 
And yes, although you can come back and play another year at the University of Oregon, try to make another Final Four run. We've kind of seen this time and again. Um, this has happened for many women to be able to go and do, not to say that they weren't able to go and be very successful after that in the WNBA, but I do feel like one of the only ways that we change the landscape of women making more money, which I do agree that they deserve a lot more money Whoa, that they're getting crazy. in the WNBA, is to try and be innovative in doing so. That's one of the only things that I can see happening. Like I said, I'm not trying to make this her responsibility. I'm just saying this. I believe that if she decided to go to the WNBA after this season, it would not affect her still being able to get a college degree. First things first. Second thing, now that you've accomplished all that you've accomplished here, you brought your team to the Final Four, you've made history at your university, I do believe that since you're not, since that one year is not making the difference between you making a ton more money anyway, but you are going to still go to the WNBA after that senior year still, I would say you get this news surrounding you, you bring attention to yourself, you're a skilled enough player to be able to bring this attention to yourself and back it up. Now you can bring more endorsements along. Now you have more eyes on you to be able to make more money than you probably would have made yeah. had you gone the same route that many other women go. Like I said, I think her skill ability is so good that it matches her being able to go and leave and bring major attention to herself that most don't get because what about the she's education leaving. part of things. I think she can still get the degree. The same way she can still come back and play another year of basketball, I still think she can get that degree. Which I've definitely thought that, but I, I feel like and it I don't think it's a as risk as you expect it to. I, I don't think it's a risk, but what I'm saying is I think she can incorporate that into her plan to I'm going to go to the WNBA and also finish up and get my degree. I think that that's and feasible thing to do. I don't think that that's unimaginable. I just no, think it's something. I just think it's something that we don't see much, and because we don't see it much, we think that it just has to kind of be that way. But I don't think it's like out of reach, especially I think for you're her. Too close though, one year away. Like I said, I don't see the risk in not just finishing that up without the extra. I mean, you're not really. But that you're, ain't that much money. Bruh. But you're as close to getting the degree. Just as close as you are playing that final year yeah, and being able gonna, to get the you're degree line and get it with just staying in school, not the pressures of the NBA and the endorse. Like she's not gonna have time to do that, bro. She can. I do. I think she will. Like, and I think, like I, think I said, she I will. think it could especially, be done. Especially, and I I'm gonna sound it's not done for a reason. So many people who go before their time is in, they say like, "Oh, I didn't get that degree," or "I should." Like it's just. Yeah, it, it sounds good. Is one of them, all, all one I'm of saying things. is all I'm saying is is I'm not saying that it's gonna be easy. I don't think getting a degree is easy as somebody that has a degree. But what I'm saying is I think it could be done. And I also think that the fact that she's already put it out there that she may not come back, if you think she hasn't already crossed or laid out a game plan for her to be able to make that decision and still get a degree, I think we're downplaying her intelligence there, personally. 
I just think that it's normal for women to finish out that fourth year, which it makes sense. You are in your third year out of your fourth year. Come back, try to make a bigger legacy out of your college. I'm not rushing to go get millions of dollars anyway. But I think if we want to get to that point, instead of us just always talking about it, because I do think we all agree that women should make more money, what can I maybe do different that I'm in a position on the court to be able to make and I that think change that to be able to make year, it happen? I, I, I think it strengthens her. I think it strengthens her chance if she stays that extra year. Continue, breaking records, dominating the NCAA. That's maybe NCAA, back to back, though. But that's what I'm saying. But I think it could translate into it's like a resume. You going from NCAA to the NBA, going from NCAA or going from college to a regular job. It's still a resume, the experience and the accolades, everything that came along with it. I think it still helps build our case in trying to start a new trajectory on the amount that these women are getting paid. Because but I that's think she bullshit. built the resume $50,000 for bullshit. a top rookie to come in is bullshit. It's complete bullshit, which is why I say, why not bring this attention to yourself because you're good enough to do so Because I think and get the more, endorsements I think, elsewhere? I think because she's going to conversation her. now, and I, think it, I don't think it happens that fast. I think another year in... What, what, so tell me, to got, be on, beyond the resume, but I think she does have one because had she not had one, I don't think we would be speculating whether she's staying or going anyway. No, that's, that's what just I'm off getting your talent. At. Without a plan, if she just dominating, I, she we could have this conversation. I think she has. I'm saying this. It's it's all opinion based here. Right. But I do think that she has a plan. I don't think she would go to the WNBA without a plan. And like I said, I feel like we're kind of. Dem degrading her intelligence in a sense if we think that she would decide to leave and not have a plan. I think that she has one. If she makes the decision to go, I don't think it's purely no, about I basketball. I think she can have a plan. I'm saying it might take longer than these next few months to execute it. I think another season in the, in the NCAA in college could help her. I think it could help her plan. Maybe or maybe not. It's all opinion but, but, based. But, 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 but my thing help. is, is that all about the degree? No, 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 no. Then where, then where else That's does what it I'm help? I'm saying more, like, more accolade. Maybe a back-to-back -back championship, which she has the chance to do so. For sure. Like I said, breaking records, even increasing or going up even more than she did this year, which she's dominating. So you think like, that she can't get any more popularity going to the NBA, the, to the WNBA, excuse no, I me. I think she could create more popularity back. and more hype and more bargaining power staying one more season in the, in the NCAA. Solely because she can break more records. No, not I just listed a, a bunch of reasons. Not solely It mainly had to do with records. No, I said back-to-back -back championships. <laughs> That's a record. That would be a record. No, you said break. Not Breaking in, records. For, I mean, their school. I mean, they already. Their school already. Bro, they've never been to a final four, so they're. Yeah, but it's, I, it's I'm in not the same talking about field, breaking though. records. It's, in, no. it's, it's all basketball no, related. I think a lot of things. Doing what hasn't been done from a basketball I think standpoint. Relationships at are that going level. to build. I think relationships and all kind of stuff. I think it's a lot of ways that it'll benefit her, and I'm saying that. Yeah, I, like I said, I think she should just go. You already got to the final four. You took your team to the final four. Your opinion four, is your opinion, and, but and it you're ain't a right. great player, and you're, <laughs> it, it could not be right. <laughs> but and you're a great player and you're good enough to do so 
go. You're not going to get paid anymore for staying that extra year. So why not go? Like I said, bring more popularity Stay to yourself. In the make more money. Make more money now because you're deciding to make this move. You've already proven yourself to be good enough to make this move. And when you build on that in the WNBA and continue to have success there, your story now is very unique and much greater because you didn't do what many of the hey, other greats that played women's numbers, basketball I say nobody play in the WNBA and y'all go on the strike and boycott it or girl cut it and and give them some more tell them to pay y'all some more money. That's, that's what I too. say. That's the thing too. But if you're not gonna do it, that's ridiculous. It, Can, that, I see these kind that's ridiculous. We that, talk about womanism and sexism, whatever. That's just crazy. Yeah, to me. That, I agree. That's out of I agree, it's all bad. But I don't see them doing that. So if you're not going to do it, figure out another way to try to make more money. I say you go now. I really do. I say hey, you get a whole lot more endorsements hey. if you go now because of the in this in this place and space that we are in when it comes to sexism, gender equality, gender pay, all of that kind of stuff. For you to go and make that move and be innovative during this time period today and have the skill to be able to back that. I think that there's not a better time to be able to make that move as well. But next up, we got our Taking L segment to close it out. So keep it locked. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit thatcast.com for more great content on Thatcast Network. You know who I got taking an L this week? Who took an L? Who lost, man? Who lost? First off, first off, before we get into who I got taking an L, <laughs> let's just say we did give you all the winning formula um, as far as Sabrina Inescu is concerned and being able to go on to the WNBA to try to create a different path than what we normally see, to try to create some change amongst many of the inequalities and many and much of the oppression that women have to face because they're not necessarily getting what they deserve when it comes to WNBA, okay? Um, I'm not even going to sit here and say that we gave you a winning formula to anything that had to do with Nipsey Hussle. That was just a situation where we wanted to discuss somebody that was very prominent in our culture and society and many of our lives. And ultimately, we just wanted to to pay respect to the man, to pay respect to his family because he deserves it. His family deserves it. And that's just where we are there. So now back to taking L's. Who lost, P? Mine's is a little bit different. Um, and I kind of got it off of social media, but I kind of didn't get it off of social media because I lived in this same moment as well. Um, my taking L's goes to anybody that did an April Fool's joke this week. <clears throat> um, we wasn't playing that game. Tiana called me with some stupid shit. Um... <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> she called you too. Yeah, she did. Um, <laughs> and here's my thing. Here's my thing. <laughs> I'm not saying that you were wrong for doing it, because some people may have needed to use that as an outlet to kind of take their mind away off of some of the stress that we all faced as a society with some of the tragic news that we got this week. And that may have been your way of coping and getting through that. So I probably shouldn't be telling you that you're taking an L, but God, I mean, gosh, damn it. (laughs) I am telling you that you're taking an L because I think that that means you didn't think of the many other people this week 
that really went through many of these same traumas, but may be reacting to these same traumas in a different way than how you had to react and cope with it. Like I said, if selfishly you felt like that's what you had to do to get by, I get that. Hopefully it helped. This might but be the first take in there I, I disagree with you I, on. I, 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 it it, it may have be. even helped. I, I hope it helped. Maybe it did help. But I just think that anybody who was playing April Fool's this week, it just really wasn't a time to joke, in my opinion. And, and a you lot can of tell me why will, you disagree. No, a lot of people will agree with you because I've seen even a meme go out saying, like, April Fool's is turned off for this year. Absolutely. Like, nothing funny. And although I do understand the magnitude and the sadness and the grief and everything, the many emotions that we already spoke on. Like you said, sometimes making somebody laugh or trying to do a prank or being funny might be somebody's outlet. Some people might use that as a coping mechanism. And so many, I, 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 and I, I know I'm you aware. touched on that, and that's why I said just because of those facts that I would disagree with still understanding where you're coming from with the yeah. utmost respect. I think it's a certain level of jokes that shouldn't be touched in a time like this. I think you should definitely be sensitive to certain jokes and the content and the context of certain jokes. But, you know, to turn it off, I, if, I don't if, think If that's so. the case, that's where I say you take an L because that's where I say you just don't play. That's why I say you just don't run that risk in a time like this. If you have to put a cap on the kind of jokes or what kind of jokes you can say or play in comparison to how you normally you know, I think play that, around. I mean, something super tragic and super serious happened the day before April 1st. So I think you definitely can still play around no, and, cancel and that be shit. funny but without, <laughs> cancel that you shit. know, and be mindful that maybe certain certain type of content, it, it might be too early. You know, like we say, it's too early. Then don't like, run that risk. Uh, I mean, and that's where I disagree <laughs> Then don't run that you. risk. I, I would just say don't run that risk at all. I think there's other ways to laugh even in these kind of moments than that is then, what I'm getting at. Then, then pranking some somebody. some people, it, it doesn't even affect them or resonate with them the same way. So I just, I, I disagree those are the, Those are the people that I think need to become aware of what's going on then because of the massive effect on society that this that played. Is, I don't think that is, it becomes an unaware thing. I think it's a case-by-case situation. Everybody's going to handle grief different. Everybody's going to handle No, 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 no. I'm not talking different. about the people that's handling grief. I'm talking about the people that can't realize that there is a massive amount of people that are grieving. But I'm saying I think grieving. people who are even aware, but it just doesn't resonate with them the same way, can still participate in what they want to participate with as no, long I'm as No, I'm not telling you what to participate in what not to participate in. I'm saying you're taking an L for doing so. Yeah, and I disagree. Yeah, I just think you're taking an L for doing so. I'm not telling you what to do or not to do. I just don't agree with you doing it, and that's just it, and that's all, really, as far as that's concerned. And like I said, for the people that can't understand that there is a huge population of people out there grieving in this particular moment, mm -hmm. if you can't realize that, then I think you need to open up your eyes to a few things as well. And um, I'm a, uh, so that's where I'm at with that. And, and I'm going to tell you, before I even talk about who took an L, in my opinion, it ain't even my opinion. I know it's a fact on who took an L this week, but I'm not going to elaborate too much on it, and I, I'll tell you why. Shitty Cuz took an L this week. Oh, yeah. Period, point blank. And like I said, I'm not going to elaborate. I'm not going to dive into, 
you know the the gruesome stuff that I tell them who shitty cuz is just so just no do your research I'm not even I'm not even gonna speak that man name shitty cuz is a shitty person and if you want to know who shitty cuz is go read up on it do your research but the reason shitty cuz took an L is because I I want I need answers. I want to know more. I need to know with all the speculation, the conspiracy theories, as you touched on earlier, everything based around this, I, I would like to to have some kind of clarity on what really happened. I heard it was a rumor of him being there and coming back. And, you know, you, you heard the stories, but yeah. I just think that obviously with the end result, if, you know, he in, in fact did do what he did, uh, that's obviously a super big L, and he probably gonna get a super big L on his sentence. But uh, just even deeper, I just want to know why, what, what, what could have been so serious or so important or so raging that that was the end result. So yeah. shitty cuz took a, a, a ultimately, L. ultimately, if I'm being honest with you. I think we all took an L this week. I agree. With the tragic loss of Nipsey Hussle. I think we all took an L here on this earth. Um, My faith and my religious belief, um, I would be one to say that I do think we gained an angel. I'm not pushing that thought process or agenda on anybody else. That's just my way of thinking and my way of being able to kind of push and get through this. But I do think as a society, as a country, as a world, we lost a huge presence, and we just really all took an L because of that. So once again, I want to say rest in peace to Nipsey Hussle. Neighborhood Nip the Great. Neighborhood Nip the Great. Prayers and condolences to yours. Um, And really, like I said, I know today was a little bit more of a down podcast than the norm. Um, How could you expect it not to be with what took place and with all of this that happened? So rest rest in peace, Nip. Um, hope to see you again one day. D-Boy, you got anything going on this weekend? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. We got some good stuff to look forward to. Uh, we got a show. We got two shows this weekend, April 6th and April 7th. First one will be at the Hawthorne Theater Lounge. And the second one on the 7th will be at District Sunday. So make sure you come out. I got some special guests from the Bay Area. I'm going to be doing the long lit set new music. I'm going to be alongside my bro, Mike Capes, my Portland brother, Mike Capes. So uh, it's going to be a lot of good music, a lot of fun. We got some merch. We got DJ Pounce in the mix. We got EJ that DJ and a whole bunch of other people. Samuel the first coming out. Just just show up, man. Eight o'clock on uh, Saturday, April 6th, Hawthorne Theater Lounge. Try to have fun amongst these tough times. Try to have fun. Um, let them know where to find you, too. D-Boy, LTD, with an I, not a Y. LTD, like living a dream. That's on all platforms. And uh, stay tuned, because it is new music coming soon. We got a new single dropping April 12th called Like That. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it, so stay tuned. Indeed, and you all know where to find me. I don't feel like saying it right now, but you know where to find me. If not, go listen to the last episode and find out where to find me. Anyway, thank you all for listening. We love y'all. Um, we appreciate y'all. Hopefully, y'all were able to get through this episode along with us because it was a tough one for us. And I know it's been a tough one for y'all as well. Um, but we are still going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go win.